Sunday morning, you're listening to Twyla Southall and L.J. Renee with What Does the Lord Say? This is Christian Talk Radio, here to challenge the status quo. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. But if you want to see a change, if you want a spiritual revolution, if you need a spiritual renewal, stay with us. We are here to inspire, to inform, and to challenge you to consider what does the Lord say regarding life's issues. Visit our website for information on how you can join us for morning prayer. Access previous podcasts of this broadcast, or you can even now access and download this podcast in iTunes. There is also information to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or even sponsor this show. Visit our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com. We would love to hear from you. Renee, earlier this week, the Lord had impressed upon my heart the analogy of one like a silversmith or even an antique dealer. You know, when there are treasures that other people look upon and all they see is worthlessness and they see something that is tarnished and something that's good for nothing but the dung heap. And then someone who understands the value Mm -hmm. in that treasure, like an antique dealer, they will look at it and on the outward appearance, it does appear to be worthless and good for nothing. But what they know is the value that is within and they know that there's something called restoration that they can do. And when they get done, if you, you have an old car that's a classic and some and yours doesn't need restored, but some people take old cars and they restore them. And we would look at them and think that's good for the junk pile. And then they will take it and they will restore it. And when you see it again, it's something that every heart desires because they have shined it up, cleaned it up and brought out the value in that thing before other people couldn't see it. But even when it's looking tarnished and looking like it's ready for the dung heap, people who understand the worth of a thing can look on it and see the value beyond what the natural eye could see. The Lord was showing me that we are just like that to him. Sometimes our lives look to be uh, worthless and they look to be uh, good for nothing and they look to be ready for the dung heap and many have been given up on and some have been thrown away and cast aside like the man that was bleeding and dying on the Jericho road and all the church people passed by on the other side because they didn't see a value in that man's life but then comes the good Samaritan which represents Christ and he sees a worth in that life like he saw in you and I and he's goes to the man and he picks him up and he begins to restore him. He pours in the oil and the wine, the kind that restores our soul. And he takes him to the innkeeper and he gives him the commission to tend to him. And I will repay everything that's owed when I return. And that's what the Lord began to show me is that I have taken your life and I have restored you and I have polished you. And even what Jeremiah saw, we are on the potter's wheel and he's refining and cleaning us up and making us into the vessels of honor that he would have us to be. And I just want to talk about that today, how God takes us in what 
others look at as a worthless state and he refines and replenishes and restores that value that he once had in us. He brings it out brilliantly so that others can see the worth that God has Mm. deposited in us. You know, it reminds me of that show called The American Pickers. It comes on, I guess, the History Channel. And it's two men who have a business. And what they do is they travel around the world and they get news that there is someone, they call them junkers or people who, who save antiques and they go to that location. And what amazes me is you're right that the things that they look at, uh, old cans and old signs, and they put a value on it. And you're saying, who in the world would buy something like that? But what really gets me is this. They will go in attics. They will go underneath the to house find it. in order to find those pieces. And they know the value of it. And not only do they know the value of it, but they know there's a set of people that also recognize the value in this too. And it would be worth more money when they clean it up when and they put it on it display up. and to sell it. And that is how God looks at our lives as well, that we people may look at us because we are peculiar people. And so, you know, they look at us and say they're strange or they do things not like normal men would do but see the thing is is that they don't realize that god came in cleaned cleaned us up up, changed our behaviors our attitudes now we're totally different when you looked at us uh you might look at someone and say they're insignificant you might think you look at a drug addict or a prostitute or you look at a homosexual or you look at someone down and out on skid road and when god looks at them he doesn't see what you and i see He he sees beyond the outward appearance he sees beyond what sin has caused in our life he sees beyond the cares of this life that has weighted us down and the turmoils of this life that has made our life heavy. He sees beyond the trouble and the affliction. He sees the deposit that he made in each and every one of us, the potential of what we can be and what we will be if we give our lives to him. So when he looks at us, I believe, I can't remember who the guy is that made the song, the song, Anthony, somebody, but he sung the song that says that Jesus thought that we were to die for. He gave his life for us. Worth. It's called worth. So we look at each other and we think there's no value in that there's no worth in that and Jesus thought enough of us that he gave his life at Calvary for worthless ones such as you and I and that's why that song Amazing Grace is so wonderful Mm -hmm. because it said he saved a wretch like me yeah you know what first of all God knew when he created us he created us like him in his own image so he knows what we look like he knows who we are I remember that there was a lady I, I go to see different people who have health issues And what my job is to help them to remove those barriers that might prevent them from getting well or receiving the quality of care that they really deserve. So I went into this woman's house and she's really a little bent over and everything. And and I was trying to go through the information so quickly so I could hurry up and get out of there. And I heard in my spirit so clearly, the spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, do not discount this woman. Mm. Discount means that you have cut down the value of someone. Overlooked Overlooked them. And he'll speak to you in that way. Matter of fact, what happened was God read my heart. You know, because mm. he knows the thought and the intents of the heart. And evidently it went deeper than me just trying to get out of that building or out of the house. And so, but this is how God, great God is. When he spoke that to me, he said, do not discount this woman. Immediately, 
I, he gave me the gr grace. I felt his love mm. overshadowing me for this woman. Now, no longer that I look at her as it's time for me to go. I had a love for that woman that surpassed understanding. I'm telling mm. you, it did. And as a result, I was able to talk to him and I found out why this woman were going through the trials and tribulations that she is now faced with in her life. Mm. As a result of God overshadowing me with his love. What he was saying is this, you it goes time. deeper. This is the issue of the soulless realm. During our conversation, it came out. And I know God allowed it to happen so that I might see the, the problems that she had. And that I might see the value that God sees in this woman. And I'm telling you, when I left that place, I thank the Lord because I was able to see what he saw in that woman. Mm. And from that point on, I try to remember that when I go into people's houses and no longer do I look at them as people, you know, you don't discount them. You immediately. don't discount them immediately. And that's what God is saying. You know, you, I felt his love for that woman overshadowing me. It was like I was Compelled, I couldn't look the other way any longer. I had to turn back around and, but, and address that But that, that is individual. the whole crux of the gospel in John three Absolutely. sixteen. It was the love of God that, that compelled, compelled him. Right. For God so loved the world that he was that moved he and compelled to yes. give his Absolutely. only begotten son. And you know, sometimes we look at ourselves and we don't see a lot because we look in the mirror and we see the reflection staring back at us and it doesn't look that wonderful. And we wonder, what? why would anyone love me? Why would anyone want me? Why would anyone give themselves for me? Surely, if not a natural person, then why would God want to do these things for me? But the thing that I want to impress upon people's heart today is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and also what David says in Psalms 23. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 3, it says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, and that's Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded he didn't ask. He commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But we have, and this is it in verse seven, but we have this treasure mm -hmm. in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And that is the crux of the matter is that if you only look at us as the message version says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. God has put in us such a glorious treasure from heaven, given us the privilege to carry the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put his spirit in us. If you are filled with his spirit and we, these cracked vessels, these worthless vessels to men, but God thought enough to put his spirit down in us and let us carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has allowed us to partner with him, to be ambassadors in the earth, to be co-laborers with Christ Jesus 
and to do the work of the ministry to be kingdom builders in the earth. Absolutely. And when you look at first Peter, the second chapter, and it's talking about that we are a chosen generation. We are a holy nation, a peculiar people that we may show that we've been brought out of darkness into the marvelous, marvelous. light. And the thing about that latter part of it is that that's what God wants to show in us to someone who is in need of hope. Someone, like you said, that have discounted themselves, feel like they're insignificant, that having trouble. He wants to use those that he have called and chosen to go forth and get the others, you know, to get the others that are chosen too. listen. We don't realize that, you know, there are there is somebody in that gutter that God has chosen. You know, they, mm. they, we don't look at it that way, but 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 there's someone that's on that corner with her dress up to her behind that God has, that chosen. God has chosen. There's someone who mm. got a needle in their arm that God has chosen, chosen, but they don't know it yet. So he used us as lights to shine and to say, well, wait a minute. You know, especially when that love of God comes upon you like a, a and garment. that's why we lest we forget, lest we lest forget. we forget, sin is sin, sin is sin, and, and such we were to, some of us. That's right. And so that when they see that they listen, when I'm on my way to church on Sunday mornings, I go down uh, a street. It's called Main Street. And I'm telling you, there's all kind of activity early in the morning. Mm. And I'm seeing black girls and white girls on the corner uh, walking the streets early in mm. the morning. And I know what they're doing. And so, and he says to me, that's why you have to pray for the rain, mm. the outpouring of my spirit upon mm. so that these girls and the others that are around, that their lives will be changed. Because mm. some of us have been in church all of our lives and we didn't, we haven't really been exposed to those type of uh, uh, people who have had so much gone wrong in their lives that we may look at them and say, I don't know why they just don't change. And I don't know why they do that. But the thing is, is God will begin to show you that it goes deeper than what you're seeing on the surface. That child is not meant to be walking the street, but there's something that happened in her life that's going on in her household right now that have caused her to be up on that, be on that street. And what happens is when you you partner with God to be the ambassadors of God in the earth, to be the kingdom builders of God in the earth. When you allow him to deposit his wonderful heavenly treasure in your earthen vessels and to use you so that it's beyond anyone's imagination that what's shining through you is not you, but it is God. There is no way when they look upon you, there is no way that they would ever confuse that the glory that's emanating from you is because of you, because they know you and they know where you come from. This has to be God. And when you allow God to work through you in such a way, the Bible tells us in second Corinthians in chapter two, verse 14 and verse 15, the Bible tells us it's Says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God, a sweet savior of Christ mm -hmm. in them that are saved and in them that perish to one. We are the savior of death unto death and to the other, the savior of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? In other words, when God is infused in you, mm -hmm. you become afraid fragrance to God. It is a sweet smelling fragrance to him when you are allowing him to work through you and to infuse you with his presence and his spirit. 
and to accomplish his will in the earth. That sends a fragrance to God, a sweet smelling fragrance to God. And you are you are becoming that vessel of honor in the very eyes and sight of God. And that's because you are allowing him to use your vessel for his glory. There is nothing good in and of us in our flesh. There dwells no good thing. But God has taken these cracked pots and these marred vessels and put in us a treasure that is glorious, a treasure that is great, a treasure that is wonderful. He has put in us the treasure of heaven and made us partners with him in the earth. And it is a glorious thing to think that he saw the best in us. He looked at us. And when others only saw the worst in us, when others only saw, as you said, the woman walking the street or the drug addict with the needle in its vein or the dope addict selling dope on the corner, or they saw the worthless, shiftless person. God looked at us and he saw what he knew we were to be because he's the one who created us. He saw uh, one that would be evangelist and prophet and Mm -hmm. preacher and teacher. He saw one that would be a wife and a miracle worker and a lover of people and a leader and, and a teacher. He saw one that would do the will of God in Christ Jesus in the earth. He saw the best in us. When Trump pulled you off, said you would never make it, what did he see? He saw the best in me. When everyone else around me is, oh. the best in you. He saw the best in me. When everyone else around me could only see the worst, God saw the best in me. He knows the dreams and the visions that he has for you. He knows the thoughts that he thinks toward you. And when he looks upon you, he sees the best in you. God saw the best in me when everyone else discounted me. He saw the best in me. And I'm so thankful for that because sometimes we can have our ears too close to someone else's mouth and we begin to think that Mm. we are that person that they say that we are. But God wants to change our perspective and cause us to see that we are the man or the woman that he has created us to be. We can begin to start listening to people and discount ourselves and say we are insignificant. We can begin to start comparing ourselves to other and others and begin to withdraw but God has something for each and every one of us and he's calling it forth right now 
Amen. And you know, sometimes it's kind of hard because you're looking at where you are today. God sees where he's taking you and you can only see today, but oh, ask God to open your eyes. Just like he said in the second Corinthian verses that we read, how that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them that believe not at some point when you came to God, he removed the blinders from your eyes that you might behold, understand, perceive, and believe on the glorious gospel of Christ. So even now, if you're having difficulty understanding who you are in God, ask him to remove the blinders and the film off of your eye so that when you look upon the a heap of mess, you can see the treasure that God sees, not just in you, but in others as well. And this is a, a prayer that you pray. Psalms 23, you know this Psalm so well that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And this is it in verse three. He restores my soul. You pray that God will restore your soul, that he will take you, refurbish you, replenish you, fix you up, polish you off and pull out of you that which others could not see, but he knew was there all the time. It is there. The potential has been there all the time. You see some people do great things and they accomplish great exploits in life. And you wonder, wow, how did they do that? I knew them when, when you knew them, the potential was always there. The seed was always there. It's just a matter of them refining it and pulling it out and learning how to, uh, to develop into what God has given them the ability to be. So we pray God restore store our souls, that God bring up out of us all of the God that he has put down in us. God has given every man a measure of faith. Now let's ask God that give us the ability to exercise that faith that we might be everything that he has dreamed us to be. Restore my soul. Make me whole. Make me who I am supposed to be in you. Get that stinking thinking out of your mind. I don't want to see what the world sees. I don't even want to see what the natural man sees. I want to to see what God sees. And when I see what God sees, I'll begin to see the brilliance coming out. I'll see what that antique dealer saw in that heap of junk when he knew he could restore it and refurbish it and replenish it polish it up and make it special. I want to see that in me. I want to see me on the potter's wheel where God is making me into the vessel that he has always dreamed for me to be. God, restore my soul. You know, when you read that uh, scripture, it says he's restoreth my soul. And we were taught that anytime you see the TH on the end of something is a continual thing. Uh, He restores, he continues to restore my soul. And you can look at soul really when you define soul, We say it's your will and your intellect, your appetite. Okay, but let's say that your soul and what your soul is really you, who you you are. So you can say that's right. It's the essence of you. And God wants you to be authentic. He wants you to be exactly what he has called you to be. So we can even read that scripture and says he restores me or God restore me. And because that's what the soul is, there is a war going on and, and it's, and it's after the individual soul. We want mm. God to have lordship and possession of our soul. If you look at a house and you go in a house and it may look like it is tore up and it just doesn't, I mean, it's just, just bad. But when you restore it, it's not like you tear it down to the ground and rebuild it. That's not restoration. You take what's already there. 
you bring and out you bring of it the out potential. Of it, the potential. You might have to add some things to it, but the infrastructure and the structure is there in that house. And that house might have some old wooden floors that's been covered up with carpet. But when you pull the carpet back, you see, my God, this adds to the 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 ambiance of this home and this, gives it value. And gives it value. I mean, that's what God wants to do, and we have to be open when our hearts are open for that. That's when God begins to do that. We can receive it. So I'm, I ask God to open up your heart. He has to do it to any one of us and for our hearts to be open to receive what God has for us. And, you know, you referenced Second uh, Peter 2, 9 earlier about the peculiar people that God has made as the holy nation and the peculiar people. When you think peculiar, the meaning of that means that it belongs exclusively to some person, group or thing. It refers to a property or privilege belonging exclusively or characteristically to a person. And that is us. God restores our soul because we are peculiar. We are property of him we are no longer our own but we are bought with a price he paid a debt he did not owe and we owed a debt we could not pay Christ Jesus has washed our sins away he has redeemed us with the blood of the lamb and because of that because he went into that place where all of these treasures were but you know when they looked upon them the world didn't see treasures they saw a heap of junk and trash and uselessness but God looked there and he saw treasure and he bought us back he redeemed us back and put us back into the family of God and now he has all of these treasures that he has to restore replenish refine polish up he got us on the potter's wheel and he's fixing us up and every time he presents us before the throne of God Mm -hmm. here's another one I've restored here's another one I've refurbished here's another one I brought out the good he sees the best in you he's restoring and refurbishing replenishing and polishing you up he's making you what you ought to be and you know when I took home mech a long time ago and we got to do some of that pottery that time you know and when you get to spin that wheel and make your little ashtray or whatever you were making and the, the thing is when you're all done you got this little thing made and it might look like the ashtray or the lamp or the pot or the vase that you were making but it's not real pretty yet you know when it gets real pretty the teacher says okay now we have your vessel but this is what we're going to do over the weekend I'm going to send it through the fire we're going to shine it up and polish it up and the next day when you come back the Monday you come back and your vase it was it looked like a vase before but now it looks like a really beautiful vase because now it has the finishing on it now it's shiny and now it looks new but you don't send it through that fire until it's already shaped into what it's supposed to be some of you are still on the wheel and you're getting worked on some of you God has had to start over again and and reshape and remold and some of you are going through the fire to be refined and polished whatever state he has you in therewith learn to be content because God is working on you don't give up don't be weary don't quit matter of fact the rest of that verse in 2nd Corinthians 4 we stopped at verse 7 but if you keep reading in verse number 8 because when you know what God is doing in you when you know the worth that God has spoken over your life then you can understand how Paul could say listen you're going to go through some stuff but you might be troubled on every side but don't right. be distressed you might be perplexed but you're not going to be in despair you might be persecuted but just know you are never forsaken you might be cast down but you will never be destroyed because God 
God is working on you. He saw the best in you. Oh, God, we just thank you. There is a treasure that's deep within them, and only you, God, can stir it up and bring it out, Father. So, Father, send your people. You've already spoken in your word and said the harvest is white already. It's like it's overdue, Lord. But you said to pray, oh, God, to you, the Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers, dear Father. Father, we just thank you and we honor you for what you're doing. We thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to Twyla Southall and L.J. Renee with What Does the Lord Say? For information on this program, on how you can subscribe to or access previous podcasts of this broadcast, visit our website at www.whatdoesthelordsay.com. Until next time.